Om Jnana Timirandhasya Jnana Shalakaya Chakshurin Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Hare Krishna Here we are, as you know, assembled at the holy place Madhurantakam You have to sit, sit properly You can't sit like that for two hours eh? Give some asam Give some asan for Sri Great Heart Sit comfortably. I came here maybe about 18 years ago with a smaller group of devotees. Maybe I came before that also. I can't remember. I visited so many holy places in Tamil Nadu. I can't even remember all the names of the places I visited. But uh, about 10 years ago, I came across a dramatic rendering of the uh, one famous pastime here. You're also adding your own drama. Right? You're adding a little description yourself. Adbhutamana. Yeah, all right. And uh, since that time I desired to read that to a group of devotees here. So now that desire is fulfilled. Or is about to be fulfilled if the Lord so desires, because I didn't do it yet. So usually uh, following Srila Prabhupada's uh, practice, we usually speak on the philosophy of Krishna consciousness. But uh, when we come to holy places like this, it's quite suitable to speak the pastimes of the Lord, which took place here. This is a place of Ram Lila. Our Gorya Acharyas say the best bhakti is that which is fixed on one form of the Lord. And of course, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught Aradho Bhagavan Vrajeshatanaya, that the worshipable Supreme Personality of Godhead is Krishna, the son of Nanda Maharaj. So, um, apart from many other causes, such as uh, lust, greed, anger, etc., uh, I can understand I'm not on the highest platform because I very much like to hear also Ram Leela, Nrsimha Leela, Vamana Leela, and all the other Leelas. Of course, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also... Uh, it wasn't that he banned hearing of such pastimes. He would also uh, enact Ram Leela, just like on the Vijay Dashami day, he would enact the storming of Lanka. Uh, Ram Leela uh, first took place here when, when Lord Rama was gracing this planet with the touch of his lotus feet. Some millions of years ago, not exactly the Treta Yuga before, but many Treta Yugas before. So uh, Ram was coming in this direction, looking for Sita, and in this place the uh, Rishi Vibandaka was. Uh, this was his ashram. So Vibandaka was already much uh, connected with Lord Rama, in as much as the son of Vibandaka was Rishi Ashringa who performed the uh, Putreshti Yajna by which Dasharath was blessed with four sons of whom, whom the eldest was Rama. 
So at this spot, Vipandaka was worshipping uh, the Supreme Lord Vishnu uh, with the na- who the deity here by the name of Karunakaran. Karunakaran, Karunakaran, the merciful Lord. So uh, when Rama and Lakshman came to his ashram, of course he was... I mean, how, how pleased can you be? And naturally he wanted Rama to stay, but uh, Rama wouldn't stay. Even his devotee wanted to keep him there, but he wouldn't stay. He said, I'll see you, I'll, I have some work to do, I'll come back and see you later. So the work was uh, bringing back Sita. So uh, on the way back from Lanka, as they were flying in the uh, Pushpak Vimanam, then they came down and spent some days here. There are a few places that Rama had to stop on the way back to Ayodhya. One of them was also Remuna, in what's now in Orissa. Like so, uh, <clears throat> much later, <coughs> this uh, place became... Uh, one of the most important places in the uh, Ramanuja Sampradaya, Sri Vaishnava Sampradaya, although it's not included in one of the 108 Divyadishans. Uh, this is the place where uh, Sri Ramanuja received uh, Diksha from uh, Periyanamba Mahapurnam, Samashrayam, that's, that's called in their terms, means taking full shelter. Samashrayam, ye The story is that uh, Sri Ramanuja was at that time living in Kanchi, and uh, the Supreme Lord directed him that he should take the diksha from Mahapurnam, who lived in Sri Ranga. So, uh, Ramanuja was coming with his wife at that time. He was a young man, married. He was coming towards Sri Rangam to seek the grace of Mahapurnam. At the same time, Mahapurnam was coming from Sri Rangam to Kanchi to meet Sri Ramanuja, because he had heard of the qualities of Ramanuja and was calling Sri Ramanuja to Sri Rangam to become the leader of the Vaishnavas there. So they met here and uh, Mahapurnam suggested that they go on to country and uh, they met and then Ramanuja he expressed his desire for accepting discipleship and Sri Mahapurnam said well okay let's go on to country that's you know it's a very big established famous holy place but Ramanuja said let's do it right now because he quoted a verse saying that uh, life is unsure there's no guarantee how long you'll live so if you get the opportunity for initiation you should take it immediately so that ceremony was performed here and you can see at the back there's a small mandapam and uh, that is the place where Sri Ramanuja accepted the uh, Samashrayam Pancha Sanskar. And uh, this festival is celebrated here each year in this regard. 
and uh, the deity here of Sri Ramanuja, you'll see he's in white Grihastha dress. Everywhere else you'll see the deities of Sri Ramanuja in sannyas dress, but here only in Grihastha dress, because when he came here, he came as a Grihastha. And shortly after that, he accepted sannyas. So, uh, Rama uh, came here, uh, and he, uh, he worshipped the uh, Karunakaran, Vishnu, and now Rama, you can see his deity here, Kodanda Rama, Rama with the bow, and this is the uh, only deity of Ram that you'll find, he's holding the hand of Sita. Generally in public, uh, a man doesn't hold the hand of his wife. Uh, but Ram is doing so here that he just got his wife back. He's very happy to be with her. And this is place, this place is called Madhur Antikam. Madhur, of course, means sweet. So from the uh, Gorya Vaishnav perspective, this gives an indication of Madhur Arati, or that of the, the, the exchanges between the Supreme Lord and his most intimate associates. That means uh, his wives, his consorts, his uh, girlfriends. So Ramlila was performed here during the time when, of Ram's personal presence, uh, when he was, uh, yeah, when he was here in this world, directly during, during the time of his, what is called Prakartlila. That's understood? Prakart? No, not understood. His manifest pastimes. And just over 200 years ago, Ram again performed some pastimes here. And uh, it's been very nicely uh, described, this, this pastime, of how uh, Rama saved the lake from overflowing and saved all the people. I don't know who has made this uh, description, but it's very sweet. Uh, for which he is known as Eri Kata Rama, the Rama who saved the lake. Although uh, there's another uh, there's another derivation of that name that means that the Supreme Lord Vishnu is the just like we say the the uh, he is the ocean of mercy, and then that mercy is taken up in the clouds and rain down. So like that, he's it's taken. There's another derivation of that meaning. So uh, this pastime of Lord Rama is also very sweet and uh, it doesn't involve uh, although the, the main protagonist, of course Rama is the main protagonist, but the center of the story is uh, one British man who's not a pure devotee, it doesn't seem, which maybe makes it all the sweeter. <laughs> um, Anyway, let's read the story. You have it there, right? Okay. I'll, I'll just read it as it is, because it's very nicely written, and maybe make a few uh, comments here and there. It was pouring cats and dogs. Means it was this season, rainy season, or maybe it was the second rainy season, whatever, the rainy season. 
the rain god was on a destruction spree and all fields bearing crop ripe for harvest were submerged. If the crop continued to be underwater for a couple of days more, the grain would sprout, dashing the grower's hope of a bountiful harvest and condemning fathers to another, farmers to another year of abject poverty. The flowing rainwaters had not spared dwellings either, and they were under a foot of water. Cattle, chicken, and other helpless creatures stood drenched, finding no dry place to take shelter. Children cried in hunger and were hushed by their miserable parents, who could, who could find no dry twig or leaves for lighting a fire and making food. The strong icy wind pierced the skin like needles and made everyone shiver. The majority of the village people were sheltered in the Rama temple at the center of the village, towering high and mighty against the night sky. The temple was, however, no perfect haven, for the roof, left uncared for decades, was leaking. Raindrops which insinuated themselves, themselves through the sieve-like roof did not spare even the majestic Lord with the kodandam in his hand, the bow in his hand, and holding Pirati's hand, Sita's hand with his other, in a depiction of the divine wedding. It was as if the rain god was performing Tirumanjaram, Abhishekam, to the Lord, whose Tirumeni, divine form, had not experienced one for months. The temple was in the preliminary stages of dilapidation, with the villagers paying scant attention to the needs of their Lord Protector, intent in their material, materialistic pursuits. Despite all that, when confronted by the non-stop downpour, the villagers flocked to the temple, which was the safest shelter they could find. They had absolutely no qualms in seeking the Lord's protection in distress, though they had ignored his existence right in their midst when prosperity smiled at them. The talk in the temple centered on a single topic. What would happen to the vast lake on the outskirts of the village if the torrential rain continued? People who had been, people who had been adventurous enough to have a peek at the lake confirmed that it was almost full in the morning. It was a huge lake capable of accommodating a vast quantity of water and catering to the irrigational needs of fields for a hundred miles around. It had strong buns built high to contain and consolidate inflows and had never dried up, however rainless be the season. It was this lake that was causing not a little concern among the locals. What would happen if the unthinkable occurred? What if the lake were to breach, unable to contain the copious inflows brought in by the continuing torrents? The thought of all that vast expanse of water cascading down from the breached buns was terrifying. It would wipe out the village and hundreds like it within seconds, leaving none to recount the disaster. Such a thing had never happened before, leaving those living near it secure in the belief of its invincibility. However, nothing can stand in the face of nature's fury, and the lake was no exception. Its buns were of mud and stone only, and the, and the immense pressure of water against them could just blow them away, opening the floodgates to misery. 
a senior citizen belonging to more religious times and who had seen the temple at the height of its prosperity and buzzing with spiritual activity, lamented the villagers' neglect of the temple and disinterest in its upkeep. He chided them for having angered the Lord through their irreverent and ungrateful attitudes. The mills of God grind slow, but they do grind sure, and the old man was certain that Nemesis had caught up with the unrepentant population. Nemesis. Unnerved by the old man's pronouncements, the drenched crowd shushed him to silence and began to think of petitioning the governmental authorities for assistance. To prevent the impending catastrophe, the tank bands had to be immediately strengthened and heightened. This was a monumental job, for the lake stretched away as far as the eye could see, and the buns encompassed a perimeter of several miles. The British were still ruling the country, actually it was the East India Company at that time, before the official British rule. And the district collector, a pious man by name Colonel Place, was in charge of the area. When the matter was presented to him in all its magnitude, he immediately realized the explosiveness of the situation and ordered his minions to arrange for strengthening the lake buns and for monitoring the condition round the clock. The wheels of government swung into action and an army of workers busied themselves in carrying out the collector's orders. The rain, however, continued to come down in torrents without any let-up and the water level in the lake kept rising menacingly. Though night had advanced, sleep eluded the British man who paced restlessly in his quarters, worried at the lack of let-up in the downpour. He decided to inspect the bundwork personally and left with his retinue to the lake, paying scant attention to those who tried to dissuade him on the grounds of impending danger. As one used to leading from the front, he left for the lake and arrived amid a steady downpour. He climbed to the top of the bund and the sight that greeted his eyes took away his breath, the enormity of the situation striking him with full force. The water level had risen alarmingly till it now lapped at his feet, at his position on the top perimeter of the bund. Another hour or so of the rain and the lake would breach with cataclysmic consequences. And since rain was still coming down in sheets accompanied by a gale, there seemed little hope of averting the inevitable. It was as if these miserable, uneducated and uncultured masses were destined to a watery grave. Then a chilling thought struck him. In deciding to visit the scene of action, he had painted himself into a corner and had no way now of returning to safety. It looked as if he too would be sharing the watery graves of the people he had thought about disparagingly a moment before. Was it the will of the Lord Jesus that he should die in a heathen land, forsaking his beautiful wife and affectionate children in distant England? The moment these thoughts occurred to him, he banished them with guilt. He was the district collector responsible for the lives and safety of thousands, be they heathens or unlettered. They looked up to him with childlike faith, hoping against hope that the tall, fair-skinned, 
do I would somehow work a miracle and save them all from certain death. But what could he do in the face of nature's unrelenting fury? The swirling waters of the lake were looking more menacing by the minute and the wind had snatched away the umbrella held over his head by a lackey, apparently angered at the collector's efforts at protecting his head. That means nature is angry, not the lackey. At protecting his head while thousands of the proletariat were drenched to the skin stretched tight, stretched tightly over their skeletal bodies. Colonel Place was desperate and could think of no way to prevent the waters rushing out on their terrible mission of destruction. The old man in the temple who had spoken of the neglected Lord and the awaiting Nemesis was also one of the collector's retinue. In the pushing and pummeling wind he had reached the collector's side and picking up courage told the official that only Lord Rama could save them now as the situation seemed beyond human intervention. He explained to the skeptical Englishman the immense power of the Lord and his matchless beauty. In the drenching downpour, despite the wind snatching away many of his words and in his broken English, he gave the foreigner an account of the exploits of Sri Rama and of his bridging the vast ocean with the aid of mere monkeys. The old... The old man spoke with emotion of the Lord's infinite mercy and his abiding concern for the innocent. It all seemed pretty unreal to the collector. He was standing in pouring rain on the bund of a gigantic lake on the verge of breaching, hours, perhaps only minutes away from certain death, listening to an old native blabbering about a heathen god. He shook his head in disbelief at his own predicament and tried in vain to shore up his sagging faith in life. The old, man with the old man, with little else to do, continued his enthralling narrative of the Lord's prowess with the bow and of how his emissary was able to just fly over the vast ocean, again speaking with tears of the infinite mercy that characterized this Karunaakakutta, the scion of a royal family, royal family who spent 14 hard years in the jungle just to obey an unjust command supposedly from his father and conveyed to him by a stepmother who, is, who was intent on making her own son the heir to the throne. When we are drowning we tend to clutch at straws in desperation especially when nothing else is available to hold on to. Colonel Place was in a similar situation. Though his strict Christian upbringing and military training prompted only skepticism and disbelief at the old man's tales, still an image began to form in his mind of a tall, handsome prince with a long bow held aloft in his powerful hands, the personification of mercy and righteous conduct, the symbol of sacrifice, his lotus-like eyes brimming with mercy for all mortals and accompanied by an equally impressive figure, obviously a younger brother and ever ready to rush to the rescue of those in distress at a mere call for succor, be it from whatever quarter. And once the image of the bewitching Lord entered his mind, Place found it difficult to shake off 
and experienced an extremely pleasurable sensation even amidst the desperate situation he found himself trapped in. Still clutching at straws, his mind reluctantly veered around to the possibility of appealing to this mythological hero for aid, which seemed the only thing left, especially since all other efforts had failed. And once his mind accepted what was hitherto unthinkable for him, he felt unreasonably buoyed up and prayed in his heart of hearts to Sri Ram to somehow, somehow lead him and thousands of his subjects out of this apparently inescapable end. O oh, Ram, prayed the Englishman, please do this, if not for my sake, then for the sake of the thousands who believe in you with all their spiritual might and conviction. I was listening to the tales of your impossible feats with only half an ear. However, if it was possible for you to conquer that vast body of waters lying between you and Lanka with the mere threat of retribution, it should be no difficult task for you to control the menacing waters of this Madhura Antakam lake and to keep them confined to the inner bunds. I know full well that these are the words of an infidel who lacks infant absolute faith in you, but your reputation as the epitome of mercy prompts me to beseech you. Do this for me and for the sake of the hundreds of men, women and children who are in peril, and I shall build a temple for your consort, whom you appear to love dearly. Lord, please do help me. The moment this secret prayer was concluded, the Englishman saw in a brilliant flash of lightning, the figures of two extraordinarily handsome young men, both with bows held aloft, appearing on the tank band in the pouring rain. Their luminescent eyes seemed to radiate compassion and benevolence. Their beauty was beyond description and their regal bearing exposed their flawless lineage. They were perfectly proportioned specimens of virility with a majestic gait and magnificent deportment. The elder of the divine duo looked at the spellbound colonel place with twinkling eyes that seemed to hold out an assurance of assistance, amused at the Englishman's efforts at bribery through the offer of a temple construction for Sri Maitili. The awestruck, the awestruck foreigner overwhelmed by the unbelievable apparition, just fainted and fell on the soddy tank bun with a thud, slipping into unconsciousness, obviously incapable of absorbing the full delight of the divine spectacle. When he emerged from his trance, Colonel Place found himself in his comfortable bed in his own quarters with his minions peering anxiously at his supine form. Reminded of the impossible situation in which he had fainted, the collector sat up with a jerk and demanded from his subordinates the latest position on the flooding threat and felt immense relief wash over him when told that the rains had stopped with miraculous suddenness during the night and the lake waters too, poised on the brink, had receded to fairly safe levels. Through a planned opening of the sluices, the water level was brought back to near normal and the threat had blown over. Colonel Place's skin tingled when he remembered the divine youth he had witnessed in that flash of lightning 
who had appeared as if in answer to his unuttered prayers and effortlessly saved not only himself but innumerable others too from a certain and watery grave. The vivid image of the Lord and his infinite mercy in answering the insincere prayers of an unbelieving foreigner continued to occupy the Englishman's thoughts forever and he used to recount the tale with fervor to skeptical audiences even after his return to England. However, Colonel Place's newfound faith did not desert him the moment his job was done and he lived up to his part of the bargain by constructing the Thaya Sanidhi at Madhurantakam. A plaque on the Sanidhi wall still stands testimony to the aforesaid legend which has bestowed the Lord with yet another Tirunamam, holy name, lovingly coined by his grateful votaries, Eri Kata Ramam, the Rama who saved the lake. So he's very uh, beautifully composed. There's another version that, uh, yeah, here's another version of the story that, uh, slightly different, that uh, this place, the Colonel Lionel Place or Blaze. He uh, this during he was the district collector of Chengalpatu during the period 1795 to 1798. This is from that printout with all the uh, with the yeah that this one yeah yeah. He was the district collector 1795 to 1798. I can't exactly locate it because the pictures don't show here. Okay. So he visited this village during the rainy season due to the threat from overflow of the lake. And when he saw this temple, he wanted to visit it. Uh, the priests at the temple told him about the history of the temple. And uh, in one part he saw all stone pillars and slabs all piled up. And when he asked what, about why these stones and slabs are there, he was told that that was meant for the construction of a temple for Janakavali, namely Sita Devi. But it had not been done because of lack of funds. It hadn't been built. So the uh, collector told the priests that if Sri Rama protected the village from the lake during the storms. He himself, Colonel Place, would build the shrine for Sri Janakavali Thaya. It says here he then he rushed off without taking darshan of the deities. But I don't think they were allowed to see the deities. Actually, the British. I mean, they're not even allowed in the temples, right? So uh, anyway, he tried with his helpers to strengthen the buns and everything, but he wasn't very confident about the strength that the, the, the tank bund would hold. And uh, he went, when he went to inspect the lake, he saw two young, well-built men going around on the banks of the lake with bow and arrows in their hands. Uh, he saw these two men and he saw them wandering around on the bank, but he couldn't approach them. It was night, and he wondered why they were going around in the night on the lake. And he thought they were in a very dangerous situation there. And he returned back to his own place, thinking of those two 
strange young man. The next morning he woke up, he saw that the lake, the, the rains had stopped and the sun was shining. He was uh, anxious about the status of the lake and he came out and was told there was no flooding the previous night and the lake had withstood, the bund had withstood all the waters. So this time, having gone to the village, he entered the temple and he went for, he, this time he went for darshan of the deities and he saw that the two young men he had seen the night before were the same as in the temple. They were the ones who had saved the, the, the lake and the village. According to another version, Colonel Blaze saw them, saw Rama and Lakshman shooting, the, the, the band was actually becoming breached with water coming through it, and Rama and Lakshman closed it up with their arrows, by shooting arrows. That Colonel Place saw them shooting arrows. Okay, so Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, 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 Rama